And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 187. It's titled Pride and Prejudice. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Hey, folks. Got a tricky episode today, and I've been mulling this over for a few weeks whether or not to comment on it, because I try as much as I can to make this series fairly evergreen, so that episodes can be listened to years afterwards and still be relevant. But after chatting with some clients and some colleagues about this, I'm going to bite the bullet and discuss racism. And I'm aware that being yet another middle-aged white guy with a podcast, I don't really speak with quite as much authority as somebody else might, because I don't know as much about it compared to a middle-aged black man. But as some black friends and clients have said to me recently, that is the whole point, because many other white folk don't know either, and they're far less likely to be listening to um, a podcast series presented by a black therapist to talk about this, far less likely. Have you seen the podcast charts? Most of us have an image of the presenter in the thumbnail and it's a proper whitewash. 87% of the UK are white, but it's probably about 99% of podcasters. So if you don't listen to me talk about it, you might not listen to anyone. And the whole point of this podcast series, or one of the points, as I've always said in my um, intros, I think I've always said it anyway, is about education, as well as inspiration and motivation, etc., etc. And you think that after the dumping of the statue of the slave trader Edward Colston into the Bristol Channel, and then the possible end of the glorification, really, of what we would now think as, as criminal activity, you think that would spark enough conversations that everybody would be educated. And... Um, well, I'm going to tell you about one of the conversations that I had, actually, because it absolutely knocked me for six that somebody thought what they did and 100% meant what they said when they told me their thoughts. Their thoughts being that in the 21st century, being black doesn't hold anyone back from achieving anything in life. That there is no excuse for not making a success of yourself just because you're not a white Brit. That if you can't get yourself out of poverty, then that's not because you're black, it's because you don't want to. Now my job as a therapist, this wasn't a client by the way, my job as a therapist is to look at the world through other people's eyes. As someone quite interested in science, I try not to jump to conclusions about stuff. I like to see evidence to support my beliefs, if I have any. So I tried to see things from their perspective. But as this wasn't a client, I probably didn't try very hard and I ended up getting quite angry. Now, I mention this for two reasons. Number one, you might think the same. And that's going to contribute to the problem that we have in the world right now. And number two, you might not realise that people still do see the world this way and you can help educate and inform should the need arise without kicking off in quite the way that I did and getting angry at them. Because that isn't the way to educate and inform. And I know that having these sorts of conversations can be quite painful, and even listening to this episode might be a bit cringy for you. But when we avoid difficult conversations, we end up trading that short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction, because it needs examining. 
It's undeniable that there is some sort of prejudice that runs through all human societies. All human societies. Crikey, I've met people who think of someone from a different postcode as part of their out-group and, and, and treat them differently because of it. I can guarantee so have you. Let alone somebody who looks a little bit different or wears different sorts of clothes. British National Attitude Surveys that have been running since 1983 have stayed pretty much the same, with people being asked to describe themselves as either not prejudiced against people of another race at all, or very or a little racially prejudiced, with around 65% of people saying not prejudiced, and 35% saying very or a little bit prejudiced. Now, the thing is, how do you know you're prejudiced? Those 35% do... But I wonder how prejudiced the 65% who claim to not be actually are. Because it seems to run so deep that it doesn't feel like prejudice. It's as if it's part of the system. If someone attacks somebody in the street just for being black, or was to go on a, a targeted rampage and set fire to some houses, killing dozens of babies for no other reason than because they aren't white then we can see that's prejudice. We can see that it's cruel, that it's racism. There's, there's no denying that. But what about when dozens of babies die at birth or are caught death soon after? Is that racism? Doesn't sound like it. It sounds unpreventable, doesn't it? There's nothing you can do about that. Except when you look at the statistics of births and deaths, you do see that not being white in the UK doubles the possibility that your baby is going to die before its first birthday. And that's been the same for years, and it doesn't seem to be changing. Three babies in every 1,000 born into a white family, and six babies in every 1,000 for a black family. Is it something in the DNA? Are black babies genetically predisposed to die? Is that why white supremacists say that they are the master race? No. It's about poverty. Because if you're not white, then you are less likely to do well because of white privilege. Something that a lot of white folk don't want to believe exists, maybe because they want to take more responsibility for their successes in life so that they can feel proud of themselves rather than face the truth, the absolute undeniable truth, which is that the colour of their skin gave them a leg up. Might have been very subtle, but being white has its advantages. Prejudice is very subtle. People don't realise quite what they're doing. That's why I do wonder about those those 65% who say that they're not prejudiced. If you're walking down the street and three young black men walking together walk towards you, is it possible that you'd consider crossing the road to get out of their way? Hmm? And would you feel any different if it was three young white men? Maybe, maybe not. Most people say that they would think differently, and that is racism. It's a very subtle type, and it's not quite what you might think of as racism, but it is. And when I've asked black people that question, they answer in the same way. Even black people experience the same prejudice, too, against black people. Plenty of black folk will cross the road because they're more suspicious of black teenagers than white ones. So when society expects you to be a certain type of character, it is going to unconsciously steer you towards becoming it. 
Because the answer to the question, why are black people more likely to be stopped by the police than white people, is because as far as the police are concerned, it's more likely that they've done something illegal. And that may well be true. And the answer isn't to distrust more black people. It's to put right why the correlation is there in the first place. Why do people feel the pull towards gang culture and crime in the first place? Answer that. Fix that. And the answer might just come from raising awareness that it exists. From maybe even, this is a strange thing, ending the stigma of racism. That's a controversial thing to say, Richard. Blooming heck. Destigmatising racism? Surely racism is a bad thing, Richard. What the hell? But if society has made us prejudiced and we ignore it, we don't acknowledge it, then we can't repair it. And you look at what happened to Liam Neeson when he tried to acknowledge it. He was ridiculed. He openly said, I had anger towards black people. I saw them as a threat and I wanted to hurt them. He was doing the right thing in acknowledging his racism as it was the only way that he could change it. But it's going to take more than one bloke in an interview, though, to change everybody. And no one wants to start an I am racist hashtag, do they? Myself included. But until we acknowledge something that is a genuine part of society, it can't be understood and it can't be changed. So I think we do need to acknowledge our prejudices, whether it's towards... Black, white, gay, trans, ginger, people, whatever. And when I saw a friend of mine bought a, a t-shirt, Ginger Lives Matter, it said on the front. And when I first saw this uh, that he put on social media, I thought, huh, I'm not sure I, uh, I'm not sure I, I like that because that sort of belittles a very important topic. But then I, then I sort of stand, stood back, he's the same sort of age as me, and I thought, you know what? Although it's not the same, and it is not the same. When we were growing up, in the 80s, actually, it wasn't as bad as it was to black or, or Asian children. But yeah, those ginger kids were bullied just for the colour of their hair. For nothing more than that, just something in their DNA. Just a little bit of something that gave them red hair. And they were bullied for it. And now as an adult, you can look at that and go, what? Why would you do that to anybody? And I don't know when that started. When did that start? Was it anything to do... Ah, I wonder if it was anything to do with uh, Scottish migration. Scottish people coming into the into England. Yeah, probably. God, humans can be horrible sometimes. So, if you have an opinion about somebody, and you transfer that opinion onto everyone who is in the same class, then that is prejudice. You are prejudiced. And if you think all gay men are drama queens that assertive women are bossy, that black men sell weed, that any young woman pushing a buggy is a benefit scrounger, then you are prejudiced. And it might be a very scary thing to admit, but it might be a world-changing thing if we do. Now, one thing I will say to all the white people listening is that white privilege doesn't mean that your life hasn't been hard as well. It just means that the colour of your skin hasn't been one of the things that made it harder. Let me say that again, so I know that you've heard that, because that's, I think, an important thing to highlight. White privilege doesn't mean that your life hasn't been hard. It means that the colour of your skin hasn't been one of the things that made it even harder. It's hard to tell a working class, underprivileged white person that white privilege exists, 
we're prone to see ourselves as the underdog. Because in most of the UK, white privilege doesn't mean extra good things because we're white. It means not as many bad things because we're not black. Privilege hides itself. You don't know you're privileged if you don't know how underprivileged others are. Privilege is when you think that something isn't a problem because it doesn't personally affect you. There was a guy on the television recently, because um, I forget exactly why, it was a um, solicitor, I think he was, and he was absolutely pulled apart, absolutely pulled apart, because he was complaining about the way that the tax rates were changing, because as far as he was concerned... Uh, earning £70,000 a year wasn't a lot of money. And at first, when he was complaining about taxes changing, everybody in the studio audience was on his side. And as soon as he said, and I, earn, I only earn £70,000 a year and I don't think that's enough. Well, read the room, mate. You just lost everybody. Because he didn't know how privileged he was. He genuinely didn't. He was completely innocent in it all. And we absolutely need to face the truth. That in this, in this society, we have this problem. That the level of melanin in our skin dictates whether we do well at school. The level of melanin in our skin dictates whether we're going to get accepted into university or get given loans. And to assume, as I discovered in my recent debate, that because your bank manager is black, then racism doesn't, doesn't exist, that's simply not true. Yes, your bank manager is black. Yes, so is your doctor. I get that. But I guarantee if you ask them if they've if they felt they've had to work harder than a white person would to get to their success, they'd say yes. And no one should have to prove themselves like that. That's the reason why the Black Lives Matter movement escalated the way that it did. That's why statues were pulled down and bricks were thrown. It reminded me of my friend Sue. Hello, Sue, if you're listening. So he's a therapist at one of my clinics and helps run the place, runs the clinic. It's a little therapy centre in a town centre with no car park. We've got a couple of spaces for some of the staff to park, but there's no room for, for all of us and certainly not enough room for clients as well. Well, clients would keep parking there if they're running late. And Sue was constantly having to say to everyone, do not let your clients park here. Well, when yet another one did once... Sue got really quite upset about it, and it seemed over the top. Sure, be annoyed, but it doesn't. It didn't warrant quite that much emotion, this much anger and frustration. And in her outburst, there's a phrase she said. They're not listening to me, she shouted. They're not listening to me. So I asked her, Is anyone else not listening to you, Sue? And she looked at me in her face changed, shoulders slumped slightly and her body softened and she calmed down a little bit and she said, no one's listening, Richard. No one's listening. Turns out her dad was ill and the doctors weren't listening to what she was saying. She was being ignored by multiple people when she'd made suggestions and asked for help. Ignored by institutions and systems that were put in place, supposedly, to be there to help. And she displaced as it's called in psychology, the emotion. It's called displacement. She was feeling so angry, and the, the client that pinched a parking space ended up tipping her over the edge. Well, that is exactly what's been going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. Years, decades and decades and decades and decades and decades of being ignored, and yet again, another person is killed by a police officer. And we don't know what would have happened if George Floyd had been white. 
We don't truthfully know for sure if it's still been killed by that police officer. And yes, white people have that happen too. White people get treated unfairly too. But when you look at all the data, we do see a systemic prejudice that says that just for being black, you are going to get treated differently. And that's the same for lots of demographics. If you look at, if you look poor, if you're homeless, if you're young, if you're male, if you're a woman, our brain makes assumptions. It's what it does. It conserves energy and uses what's called heuristics to jump to conclusions rather than have to think and use neurons and waste glucose. It's efficient, but it's not always right. And we need to know that this process applies through our entire society. A majority of my listeners are going to be white. That's fair to say. That's just how it is. So this is for you. Don't just look at a black bank manager or a doctor and assume that it was easy. Why don't you ask them how many times they've been pulled over by the police? Ask them about their experiences of prejudice. Ask them how many times in the last 12 months they haven't felt safe. Ask them how many times they've been abused, spat at, called names. And if you still think that prejudice doesn't exist, that the only reason people don't do well is because they don't really want to, then ask yourself this. Would you be happy to be black? If it genuinely doesn't matter, would you be happy to be you, but born black? Because if you would rather be white, then you're holding two opposing opinions at the same time. And that conflict isn't going to sit right with you. That's called cognitive dissonance. And it's going to make you hide the truth. It's going to make you put your head under the duvet and pretend that everything's fine when it's not. Because like my friend Sue said, people aren't listening. Now, the first step in solving a problem has to be to acknowledge that it exists. And I'd love that racism didn't exist. But acting as if it doesn't hasn't helped. Saying, I don't see race, I just see people, doesn't help. Sharing photos of both white people blacking up for comedy and black people whiting up and saying, I don't see the difference, isn't helping. Because I'm really sorry, but there is a massive difference. Blackface was a real thing. A real form of so-called comedy where white performers would dress up and act as if they were black with these huge padded backsides on the women and um, make anyone... It was just to make anybody that was black look stupid and inferior. And they had to do it. This is quite a long time ago. This is 100 years plus. They needed to dehumanise them, to explain their lack of guilt about slavery. And yeah, this was, like I say, many, many, many years ago, but the scars are still painful. It still hurts. That pain is still there. And every comedy writer knows you don't punch down in comedy. You punch up. You don't joke about oppression. That's never been funny. Black children don't tell a joke of what do you call a white man falling off a cliff? A snowdrop. Ever heard that joke? No, of course not, because I just made it up. But white children will still tell that joke with a black man and a chocolate drop. I know that because a small child once told me that joke, much to the absolute horror of his poor dad, his face. Did you ever hear the reason why uh, there are such strong spices 
in, in Indian food, why, why strong spices are so popular in curries. I was once told that it was because in India, the meat is so rotten that they need to mask its flavour so that it doesn't taste bad. Did you ever hear that? You must have heard that. It's a complete myth. Complete myth. But like all myths, it started as a lie. Myths like that don't start by themselves. They start as lies. Lies to make Asian people seem inferior. Which was a defence mechanism to prevent the guilt of invasion, war and murder, if we're honest, under the guise of colonialism. And in saying this to my white listeners, does that put your hackles up a little bit? Because I guarantee that some of you are going to hear a different meaning to what I'm saying. And I've had this sort of conversation with people for years. And in putting my views across, sometimes people feel attacked. They think I'm asking them to feel guilty. As if all white people should be apologising for history. And that's not the point. I'm not asking anybody to feel guilty. No one's asking you to apologise any more than asking anyone who lives in Rome to apologise for the crucifixion of Jesus. Or anyone Muslim or Northern Irish to apologise for terrorist acts in the past. If the pulling down of the statue of a slave trader upsets you, then, unless you're a pigeon, there's no way that it should have done. But it did make a lot of people defensive, didn't it? Really did put people's back up. Really did make people upset. Yet if someone tries to raise awareness of breast cancer... It's quite unlikely that someone's going to say, Oi, what about prostate cancer? And then complain. Because we show solidarity. When Manchester was bombed, when Paris was attacked, people didn't complain about the solidarity that was shown. We just showed solidarity. I'm with you. But when the Black Lives Matter movement asked for solidarity, then the argument for all lives matter was very vocal. Because of this themanous, unconscious belief. It is racism. But it's a different type of racism. It's a systemic racism that we don't think is prejudice. Saying black lives matter doesn't mean that white lives don't, that brown lives don't. It is simply a cry for help, a scream of, please see me, acknowledge that I matter. When people who don't think of themselves as racist maybe pipe up and say, Oi, white lives matter as well, then it's because they misread the Black Lives Matter movement. They weren't saying black lives matter more than white. They were saying black lives matter equally. And only a racist would disagree. So when it's misunderstood and white lives matter or all lives matter is shouted as a response, then what's being heard isn't. Yes. You're right. You should all matter the same as us white folk. What's instead being heard in response to the phrase Black Lives Matter is no, they don't. And I'd like to think that that isn't what the majority of the White Lives Matter folk believe. But there is an unconscious racist bias that we've been living in for so long it feels normal. And we need to be aware of it. Because we are all falling foul of this black and white. It's part of our society. I fall into the trap, you fall into the trap, every white man, every black woman. Because like I say, even black people have an unconscious racism against black people. By screaming black lives matter, a lot of people are trying to convince themselves as well because they know it. 
just like the non-racist white people do, but they don't feel it, just like the non-racist white people do. And all of us, black or white and everything else, all of us need to work at this for it to go away. But saying, we're all the same and I don't see race without all this work first, is like going to the cinema with a group of people that are two feet shorter than you, and everybody sits in a place where in front of you there's a lot of folk with big hats on. But it's okay, because you can see over the top of those hats. And everyone has the same height chairs, but only you get to enjoy the film. That's not equality. Sounds like it, though, doesn't it? Because everyone's got the same sort of... Everyone's got the same chair. That's equal. But equality means giving everyone the same view. Not the same chairs. The same experience. Not necessarily the same tools. Just give everyone the same chairs. That's equal. No. You can't look over a fence if someone's taking your legs away. I don't know I'm mixing up many metaphors here, but you get my point. If you've been listening to my podcast for long enough, you'd have heard me talk about the influences of low self-esteem before. About how our self-esteem can hold us back from finding work, cause depression, immune system problems. It's no secret. We all know that our opinion of ourselves can cause all sorts of problems if it's negative. Well, imagine if the entire society you live in agrees with you that you aren't worth the effort of trying to help. That you do deserve to be thought of differently to everybody else. Can you imagine the effect it's going to have on your mental health and self-esteem? That's why babies are dying. That's why so many black people have schizophrenia. That's why prisons have a disproportionate amount of blacks versus whites and why we are having this conversation today. Because if we don't, we can't fix things. And it starts with awareness, and then understanding, and then deliberate actions that change behaviour, thoughts, and then emotions. The whole CBT process that us therapists waffle on about so much. Maybe things are improving, slowly. There are fewer bananas thrown onto football pitches at black players than there used to be. And when it happens, the culprits are tracked down by the clubs and they're banned. But it still happens. And maybe this is slightly naive of me, but I'm sure that when that White Lives Matter Burnley banner was attached to that plane last week and flown over Manchester during the Burnley v City football match, the bloke who did it didn't know that he was being a massive racist. He simply thought that the Black Lives Matter idea isn't about bringing black people up to the same level as white people. I expect he thought that it was about pushing white people below them. So rather than acting like a massive racist, they were were actually trying to prevent racism. I guarantee that's how they would justify it. And they don't see how awful it is. So I'm sorry, there is still an undercurrent of racism through our society. An institutional and systematic prejudice that makes anyone that isn't white feel inferior. It lowers self-esteem, it influences both psychiatric and non-psychiatric mental health problems, it causes anxiety, depression, schizophrenia. It does. Look at the research. Study the data. And the thing is, this is no secret. This has been shown to policymakers in government for decades. But it's a slow process, especially for white people, because it takes education. Now, on a positive note, the BBC have been aware of this for a very long time and they've been doing what they can which does make the racists racists angry, because like with anything really, 
sport, engineering, music, if you can see somebody doing something and they look a little bit like you in some way, either because of their gender, their skin colour, whatever, if you can see someone that makes you think, that could be me, then it nudges you in that direction. You have evidence in your brain that you could do that and it encourages you to make it happen. It makes it easier to bat away any doubts when a part of you tries to tell you that you're an imposter. We see it in sport, we see it in music, we see it in everything else. That's why there are diversity policies in organisations. Not because it appeases the left-wing snowflakes, but because it prevents people from being held back. It helps stop black people from thinking that there's something wrong with them. And if you can see it that way, it can hopefully prevent you from being annoyed if you see an advert with a mixed-race couple on it in the same way that soap operas try to shoehorn in a gay white guy, black lesbian, transgender dwarf. They're not doing it to be politically correct. They're doing it so that more people don't feel like they don't belong. God blimey, I'm sorry, this is a big old topic today. And I know you probably like to listen to me because I make these little short and sweet pop psychology episodes with a cheery voice and a smile on my lips. Given that I have such a popular platform, I can't not talk about this. It's too important a subject to let pass by. Because we shouldn't be letting it pass us by. Black lives still need to matter. Even when this this whole incident has been forgotten. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to others, but listen properly. Listen in such a way that you can hear. We so often listen ineffectively, appearing to listen while still trying to create a response in our head, an argument, maybe. Construct that afterwards. Listen first. I just recorded a patron-only episode about listening skills. Go and have a listen to that if you're interested in it. Look, it's getting late. So much for 15 minutes to happiness. We're up to over 30 now. But before I go, I want to say my thank yous to my new patrons. If you're new to my podcast series and you haven't heard me go on about this before, I have a Patreon page for you to support me if you like what I do. It's about a fiver each month and you get a new episode from me every Monday morning, as well as access to 10 years worth of previous ones as well. Oh, and some hypnotherapy sessions to listen to as well. And this month I've had quite a quite a few new patrons. So hello to Deep Breath, Darren, Nora, Nicola, Joe, Megan, Susan, Katie, Emma, Andy, Martin, Karen, Chris, Claudia, Wendy, Paul, Nikki and Anthony. Welcome aboard. Thank you for your support. If you didn't know, the pennies that come in from Patreon, they aren't just for paying for this podcast. It's also used for fundraising. We use it to support people who can't afford counselling. And we support some charities, depending on how many new patrons I get in a month compared to those that pause it or delete. I've been adding a new charity in every couple of months. We donate to the National Deaf Children's Society. There's Mind, Place to Be, Time to Talk, the Mental Health Foundation, Rethink. And this month I've added the charity Show Racism the Red Card, an anti-racism educational charity that puts on workshops and training sessions. And if you want to help make the world a better place and at the same time support the show and get extra episodes, the link is in the show notes. Gotta love you and leave you for today, though, because it's really late now. I'll be back soon enough, though. Have a super July, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care.